everyone, this is Deb from Dying to be Found. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that episodes contain disturbing discussions on harmful acts and crimes against animals and or humankind. Recordings are not intended for young or sensitive audiences due to the content nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hi everyone, I'm Deb. And I'm Beth. And we want to welcome you to our newest episode of Dying to be Found. Thanks so much for coming to join us today. Beth and I are trying to find stories that you can relate to and leave the content up to you, our listeners. So if you have a story you would like to hear, please email us at dyingtobefound at gmail.com or you can message us on Instagram at dying the number two the letter B found, or there is a new link tree link that I'll put in our show notes. Feel free to go in there and you can fill out a really quick Gmail form. It won't take you more than one minute to do and we'll be looking for that. So we appreciate your being here today. Before we get started, as always, I want to check in with Beth. Bethy Boo, what are you up to today? Well, I'm just worrying about tomorrow's weather. It's supposed to be excruciating hot. I was about to ask you if it was going to snow. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a heat wave up there in in the great white north. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's been very dry summer for Ontario. Not much rain and tomorrow there's a big weather advisory. Oh goodness. Snow usually comes around our October Thanksgiving. That's the earliest. And then if it doesn't happen then then Maybe November. That's not terrible. Well, snow flurries are known to come around here by Thanksgiving at least sometimes too. But also you need to know, or maybe our listeners don't know, that our Thanksgiving is different. Yes, ours is the second Monday in October. And when is yours? I'm going to say it's the third Thursday of November. I think it is. I don't know. I just put it on my calendar. That's all I know and I follow it. Mm, Do you do Black Friday (laughs) shopping? I've only done it one time. I can't handle all that. I am more of an online shopper today, but I would say when Black Friday was big and popular, I'm not one of these early bird people that can get up at four o'clock in the morning to hit all the stores. It's just not my forte. Yeah. Well, I guess that's something to look forward to. I've already done my Amazon Prime and got some really good deals this summer, so... That's the new Black Friday. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about Menhaz Zaman. He is a 20-something-year-old son who was born to Bengali immigrants in 1996. I kind of want to give a little bit of a pretext to to what we're talking about, Beth. If our listeners wanted to backtrack to episode number four, we had talked about Luca Magnata, and he's also known as the Canadian psycho. Do you remember talking about him, Beth? Sure do. Yeah. So we had talked about that and how people were on the internet trying to track him down. Doggone it. Dennis is at work again. He is barking. And then I think somebody's yelling at him. Nope, that's Ava. That's Ava chiming in. So we'll give it just a second. In the meantime, I'm going to give you... Okay, have you heard of stupid dad jokes? Yes. I came up with some stupid Deb jokes. Okay, let's hear a stupid Deb joke. (laughs) Because, you know, back in the day before we changed our platform, you dropped all the time. I did. And I took great pleasure of telling stories about you. And I can't do that anymore because we have an awesome platform that we're recording on now. But Exactly. So, yeah, I have some stupid Deb jokes that I came up with. And I'm glad that Dennis did not decide to bark in the middle of our recording. He's doing it at the beginning. So I think I can throw this in until he stops barking. Do you have a genealogy account, Beth? No. You know what that is, right? Yeah. Okay. So I do. I mean, I've I've been looking at our family history for a couple of years now. Did you know that we have an Uncle Frank? Where? Well, in Canada, of course. And in the notes in our ancestry, it says that when he died, he wanted his ashes to be put in his favorite beer mug. Get out. Yeah. Because his last wish, Beth, was to be Frank in Stein. Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, you got me good. Yeah, we don't have an Uncle Frank, not that I know of. At least I haven't found him in the family tree yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that was my stupid Deb joke. You know what you should put in? Can you put sound effects in? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) 
I love it. We have to use it. Okay, Beth liked my joke today. So, (laughs) yeah, things are about to get real heavy because we're going to be talking today about this story that I had found. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's extremely similar to the Canadian psycho case that we had talked about in the past. But I will say that people online did the same thing that the people in our episode number four did with Luca Magnata. Mm -hmm. They tracked down a killer. Oh, wonderful. Now tell me, how did you find this story? Okay, so a couple months ago, I was just, oh my gosh, hold up now. Let me go talk to Dennis. I'll be right back. Somebody was in our driveway, folks. Okay, good God. I hope that didn't take too long. Anyway, okay, so today we are going to get into somewhat of a heavy case, Beth. This is um, one of those cases where the surrounding community took action and hunted down a killer within a couple of hours. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Menhaz Zaman who was a 20-something-year-old son who was born to Bengali immigrants in 1996. His parents immigrated to Canada in the 1980s in the hopes for a better life. Canada, eh? (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to talk about Canada again. We are talking about Canada, believe it or not. Wow, more criminals than I thought. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we've done quite a bit on Canada as of late. So this just happened to be falling in the queue. And it's not like we're always focusing on the United States or Canada, because I have a story coming up, Beth, that is going to be overseas. But yeah, so it's just the luck of the draw, I guess. Let's talk about Menhaz. He has one younger sibling who was a sister who went by the name of Melissa, which is a Bengali reference to what we commonly refer to as Melissa. Okay. Like most immigrants commonly do, Menhaz's parents brought their children up with the belief that obtaining a good education will contribute to better opportunities. I will say I spun my wheels for years, Beth, but once I got a degree, it really did open doors. I don't think I realized that. Mm-hmm. You know also that some cultures are very, very big on education. Well, Menhaz's dad expected him to grow up to be an engineer, while Melissa dreamed of becoming a neuro surgeon. So they had some aspiring dreams. However, if you see the difference here, Beth, you can see that Menhaz's dad wanted him to be an engineer, but he was letting his daughter follow her dreams. Mm-hmm. For the most part of his upbringing, Menhaz played the dutiful role of a Bengali son. He was respectful towards his parents. He did his chores and he did very well in school. In his spare time, like anybody his age, Beth, in his teenage years in high school, Menhaz had a passion toward playing video games. Melissa, on the other hand, was rebellious and often went rounds with her parents. She's a little headstrong, Beth, because she was bucking up against her Bengali values versus Canadian values. However, she was an A student, but often found herself in trouble for what we would refer to as acting out. Can you give us an example? Oh, yeah. So one time, Melissa got suspended for flipping off a teacher in class. Oh, my gosh. Can I just add that my son was being babysat and he did the same thing to the babysitter? Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. So the babysitter immediately called my husband, who immediately left work, came home, and gave him the spanking of the year. Wow. So how old was he? Oh, he would have probably been around four. And where did he learn that from, do you think? Because he had to learn it from somewhere. Certainly not our household. You don't think that his older sibling? Maybe. Who knows? Just kidding. We'll have to find out. Yeah, I'll ask him. Hey, we'll ask him. Sarah, did you teach Adam how to flip the babysitter off? All right. So Melissa also smoked weed and drank and even dated boys 
secretly without her parents knowing holy cow i mean i don't think anything's wrong with that if you're dating some now okay yeah drinking and smoking underage not acceptable but dating somebody i don't know what the rules and regulations are for that culture but i mean i can understand especially if they had certain values that they did follow with their traditions right but not you don't think it's you don't think i should have been dating in high school well you were the wild one Define wild. I was not that wild. I was just, I just had spirit. <laughs> yes, you're a very spirited young lady. <laughs> young lassie. All right, so Melissa's personality often led to strife with her parents, obviously, because they were butting heads. She turned into a teenager and she would often break curfew and would suffer at her father's hand for this. So, of course, she's going to be punished. Her brother, Menhaz, would sometimes get in between them, but more often than not, he really just put his earphones on and went to go play video games in the other room just to drown out all the yelling. All right, so what do you think about the differences between Menhaz and his personality versus Melissa's? Well, Melissa seems to be a wild child. She does. And I wonder how she was able to get away with that versus men has. Would it be the uh, the cultural differences between male and female? I think that's what it is. Hmm. All right. Canadian culture, males and females are somewhat treated the same. And I am I'm underlining that somewhat. But in other countries and their religious beliefs, boys and girls are treated differently. And they are very tough on the girls. They want them to be on the straight and narrow. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, unfortunately, we know that many people do not come from more prominent countries to make a better life for their own children. They usually trek westward and try to make a go of it, at least in North America. And when this occurs, parents often take on menial jobs to provide for the family. I want to give you an example. I have a coworker, Beth, who moved to America and works as an office clerk, but in their own country, they were a lawyer. So I've had coworkers who have moved to America and now work in office clerk positions, but in their own country, they were lawyers or doctors. I have an interesting story if I can interrupt. Absolutely. I worked for a physician and he was a prominent, well-known pediatrician in Poland. And he decided that he didn't want to stay there anymore. So he went to speak in the United States, I believe it was. And then he defected. Oh, wow. And he's a doctor in Canada now? He is now, but the poor man had to start out here in Toronto. He had to drive for a sausage factory, and he also worked as a taxi driver. Wow. Now, interesting that you say that, Beth, because I was going to tell you that Menhaz's dad ended up becoming a taxi driver when he came to Canada. For goodness sakes. Mm hmm. And it happens a lot. So immigrants can give their children obviously a better opportunity, but the trade off sometimes passes on to the children. And because of that shift in what they did in their own country, children feel a lot of pressure to become something that their parents could not become when they came to the land of opportunity. That's very true. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned, Menhaz's father worked as a taxi driver just to make ends meet. And in this case, Menhaz felt pressure to meet his parents' expectations, although he felt compelled to go down another path in life. All right, so I've, I've witnessed this, Beth. And to our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and let you in on a secret that I've not really mentioned before now. I've hinted it, but just in case you have not figured it out, I teach for a living. So I wanted to give you an example. And several years ago, an Asian student of mine came to me who was not even in one of my classes, but she knew that I taught business classes. And she would just sit with me after school and tell me about how much pressure she felt 
from her family to become a doctor or lawyer. And what she really wanted to do is she wanted to pursue business. So I encouraged her to participate in some of my club activities. And she actually went to some conferences with me too, Beth. Fantastic. Yeah, I wanted her to, of course, I'm never going to get in the way of family tradition. That's not my place to do that. But I was just encouraging her to see what the business world was like. She could take it home. She could talk to her parents. She could show them how she was making leaps and bounds. She did really good. She loved it. She ended up in my class a year later, but... Honestly, COVID happened and I'm not really sure what happened to her. I don't know what path she's taken. She has graduated. That is a sad case. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, coming back to Minhaz, obviously his immigrant parents placed a lot of pressure on his shoulders to be successful and to help reach their own unfulfilled dreams. You know how people tend to live their life through their child? Yes. His parents often bragged about Menhaz, and so it was likely that Menhaz began to feel isolated from his friends because in his eyes, he was probably not living up to the expectations that his parents had on him. And during his upbringing, Menhaz was taught that a high work ethic was important, which is part of his culture and heritage. I get that because we were brought up the same way. Yeah. So my expectations on work ethic is pretty up there. It's likely that Minhaz suffered from culture shock, actually, because at school in the Canadian system, Beth, he was able to exercise more freedom within the Canadian culture and who he was exposed to all day, all of his friends in the high school that he attended. But when he got home, he had to transform into his own family culture. So realistically, these differences have been known to lead to depression and homicide plus suicidal tendencies, Beth. So is this a common occurrence? I don't know how common it is because I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a mental health care professional, but... In today's day and age, I can honestly tell you that mental health is is really a big thing these days. There's just so many stressor points, social media, even all this isolation that we have experienced with COVID. You know, people are just not socializing like they used to. Oh, that's so right. Yep. So hopefully things will get back to normal soon. I want to take a moment to provide you with a background on Minhaz's family because I will give you a little spoiler alert. Unfortunately, there were many deaths that occurred in this situation, and I want to tell you their ages at the time of death. His mother, Momotaz, was aged 50. She nurtured her children, was very generous to others, and even drove friends to their doctor's appointments. She'd often cook meals for neighbors, and was classy in her own rights. And by that, I mean that she really had style. If you guys go look up pictures of Momotaz, she's a beautiful, beautiful woman. Wow. She sounds like a very lovely lady. Yeah. Now, Monaru's Zaman, who is Menhaz's father, he was 59, quite opposite from his wife. He was a little bit more introverted very humble, and very devoted to his Muslim faith. He dressed in traditional Muslim attire that represented a rich representation towards his own culture, which I think is great. Yes. Monaruz received recognition at his job as a taxi driver as one of his company's most outstanding drivers. Fantastic. Yeah, because, you know, work ethic. So he was probably all about work ethic. He spent years working long hours to provide for his family and was able to buy his own home along with two other rental properties. So good for him. Hardworking man. Feroza Zaman is Minhaz's grandmother. She was age 70 and she eventually followed her own daughter Momotaz to Canada and was Menhaz's and Melissa's caregiver while their father drove taxis and their mom tended to the rental properties. So the parents worked, grandma took care of them. Melissa Zaman was only 21 years old. And as I mentioned, she was a little spirited, Beth. She was rebellious, conformed to much more of the Canadian culture over her own, and lived life at the speed of her own drum. I think that's wonderful. 
She just seems like a very vibrant personality. In contrast, however, Melissa was very devoted to her faith and even memorized most of the Quran by the time that she had reached grade 10. That's quite a feat. Yeah. Now, I don't really know much about the Quran, but um, I, I, I have heard that it is definitely a feat to certainly memorize that for sure. Well, it seemed to be a pretty tough year for the Zaman household, Beth, because it was during the tumultuous moments between his sister and their dad that Minhaz began to recluse into his own world of video gaming And as I mentioned, he often drowned himself out in online gaming just to drown out the arguing that was going on behind the scenes between his sister and his father. And this is when he discovered a video game called Perfect World. This is an online video game platform that launched in 2005, and it allows players to interact with each other across Israel, Belgium, and Tunisia. So it's a worldwide game, Beth. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Now, in today's world, this was back in 2017, but definitely in 2022, you can pretty much get on some of these video games and do the same thing, talk with people worldwide. I know Corey's done it in the past. Minhaz's father in 2017 was arrested for shoplifting from Canadian Tire. Oh, no. Yeah. Charges were eventually dropped in exchange for community service. So I had mentioned this was a somewhat challenging year for the household. Melissa decided it was time to move out and go live with her boyfriend. I'm pretty sure that didn't go off well. No, I cannot imagine that it would, not in their culture. Well, Minhaz became much more withdrawn as the pressure to become the perfect son really started to surface and he soon identified himself as an atheist telling his online friends that he had become disillusioned with islam so his personality is changing a little bit yes it is as time went on minhaz expressed to his online friends that he wished to become more independent from his home life and he began spending more and more time online to the point that he was online more than he slept in a 24-hour period well that's dangerous not good at all Mm-mm. dangerous for the health and for the psychological aspect Mm-hmm. And I will say this, when I was doing my studies, Beth, I had 17 hour days between work and then schoolwork. It was 17 hours. So I was not getting my eight hours sleep. And then I was pretty much running on empty, I would say for over three years. Wow. And that can do a lot as far as not really my psyche. It didn't do that. It was just uh, just a sense of exhaustion at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Minhaz eventually graduated from high school in 2015 and was accepted into York University. He had told his parents that he had earned a full scholarship to attend for electrical engineering and that he was doing very well in his courses. But in fact, he was actually enrolled at Seneca College, a community college that offered an electronics engineering program. He failed all of his classes during his first semester, but had signed up to retake them the very next semester. And ultimately, Beth, he ended up dropping out. Oh my gosh. I didn't see that coming. You didn't? No. Huh. Yeah. So he's trying to be one person for his parents as usual. But yeah, it's about to turn. It's interesting that he was leading that double life. Yes. So I'm going to stop here for just a moment because I have another story that I I like to tell my students that I'm a college dropout with a doctorate degree, Beth. Because I've told you before that I struggled in that darn geology class that I was taking when I first left high school. I went directly into university and I struggled with science. It's just not my forte. And getting up in the morning. No, I actually had no problem. I had eight o'clock classes and I could get up in the morning for that. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, at the time, I really do feel I was discouraged just because I could not pass that geology class. And I ended up dropping out, Beth, I think because I was discouraged. But a couple years later, I did go back to community college to take a math class. And guess what? Oh, no. What? I failed. Again. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, it is not for a lack of trying. I am seriously not good with math or science. If it helps, I'm not neither. I mean, I struggled. I could study for hours and I just, I just, I don't know where my mind block is at. I'm more of an art and literature type person. So, and I know you are, at least art. I wonder if that has anything to do with why I'm not good at math and science. How so? I didn't complete a grade 12 math or science program. How did you graduate without that? My counselor, she gave me a pass on taking those courses. She says because I would never pass the course. So they accommodated me. Wow. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, I did try very hard, Beth. <laughs> Contrary to what anybody believes, but I did didn't give up. Later in life, Beth, it came a little bit more naturally to me because once I got my groove going, it was almost like I couldn't get enough. And I've finished. I can't go any further than what I am now, but it took me. I don't, I just don't think that that time in my life was the, the right time. So when kids say that they do not want to go to college, mm -hmm. I encourage them to go fly with the airlines and see where you want to live. And you can learn about cultures just from the people that you meet on planes. So go test the waters. If you don't think that you're ready for college the first year after high school, give it a year, but you better go back after one year or you will never go back at all. I heard that. Mm -hmm. So in Manhaz's case, he decided to drop out of university altogether, but rather than telling his parents what he did, Beth, Manhaz would get up every day like he always did conduct his regular morning routine, then head on out to the college campus or go to the gym before heading back home at the end of the day. So he is already forming this routine that he's deceiving his parents on. I mean, what's going to happen when graduation day comes? Well, what did he fill his time with when he was out of the house? What he would normally do, he'd go to the mall, hang out at the food court, and he would video game all day long. All day. Goodness, goodness. Yep, because he'd be packing up his computer and heading out for the day. For three years, he kept this routine and did not raise any suspicion with his parents whatsoever. That is very strange. Three years and nobody caught on. No. I mean, if he's living at home, I can see if he's supposedly living on campus or in an apartment somewhere, but living at home, it's just difficult to keep up the facade for that long, I would think. Mm-hmm. I would think too. Mm-hmm. Well, some of his gaming buddies maintained contact for over five years where they had talked to each other every day. So he's going to, or he's supposedly going to school. And I'm sure that they probably all have a schedule to say, hey, I'm going to be online at four o'clock today. So meet me in the room and we will play the video games today. Imagine that if you have even online gamers who have the same interests. So imagine the relationships that they built over this period of time. Very true. Yeah, because if they talk every day. I am in a stamp forum. Oh, yeah. And every couple of days, I'm posting what I'm up to and we interact. And once a month, we do Zoom meetings and we learn a new card. Okay. New technique. Okay, so you, you do tutorials for each other. Yes. That's so cool. So you understand the concept then? I do. Yeah, well, gaming became Manhaz's world. He was accepted into this platform as a priest and a healer. So the characters that these people played, he was accepted as a priest and a healer, which leveraged his ability to game and be classified as a good at both offensive and defensive gaming tactics. So he was trusted. He talked with other gamers on the chat platform. And this platform was called Discord. So I didn't really look much into this, but it, I'm going to assume that you've got one platform for the game where you're, where you're playing the video game. And then, of course, you have something like a chat room like Zoom does. I mean, Zoom's got a chat room and the video, right? Yes. So same concept. And then because he was trusted, this led the fellow gamers to believe that Minhaz's eccentricities were related to having autism. And that didn't matter because he was socially accepted and 
pretty much free to speak openly. With that being said, he was feeling socially accepted by his friends. He felt he was able to speak freely. And on July 11th of 2019, Manhaz was online as usual, chatting with all his gaming friends. He talked about how he had intended to leave the perfect world to go kill his parents and go to jail. Oh my gosh. So out of the blue, you're gaming with him for a couple hours. And when he just randomly says, hey, I'm going to leave you all so I can go kill my parents. Oh, that's that's freaky. I know. Well, he had spent three years plotting this, Beth. Three years? Mm-hmm. And he was, he was at the point where he was a, about ready to set out what he wanted to do. Other gamers did not take him seriously and basically shrugged this off as dark humor since Minhaz often referenced homophobic and religious slurs while he was online. I mean, if you're in the middle of gaming, you've known this guy for five years and he says something random like that, are you are you going to take him seriously? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm sure that that's how his gamers were also feeling. But his dialogue became so extreme that he was banned from the chatting site for two weeks because he consistently made racist remarks. Well, that's unusual because compared to Canada, he would be racial. So he's calling the kettle black as the saying goes. Yeah, he sure was. Well, during the month of June in 2019, Minhaz's parents were preparing to throw him a graduation party because that time has come. Oh my. And not only this, they were also about to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. Manhaz's parents held their anniversary party with 40 close friends and relatives. And the next day, Beth, they held a graduation party for Manhaz that held 100 guests. That just blows my mind. Yeah. So they were a caring family. They celebrated. They loved their family and friends. During Menhez's party, his parents talked to the guests about him moving on to his master's degree. So again, culturally, they want him to be the best that he can be. He's about to graduate in engineering with a bachelor's, and now they already want him to move on to his master's. Menhaz's grandmother, Feroza, came to visit from her apartment that she kept in Toronto. And as partygoers enjoyed the lavish celebration, Beth, Menhaz took his plate and ate alone in his room at his own party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's probably feeling the pressure at this point. He's trying to decide what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And he logged onto Perfect World and changed his handle to Don't Deserve Life. So basically he changed his gaming name to Don't Deserve Life. And he talked to his friends about wanting to kill himself. And again, they didn't really know what to do. They weren't taking him very seriously at this point. So at the end of June on the 27th, 2019, instead of graduating from York University with a mechanical engineering degree that his parents had been so proud of him accomplishing, Beth, Minhaz Zaman took a different plan of action. First, he posted on his Perfect World platform, quote, gonna kill my parents and go to jail, yo, end quote. You know, I think if I saw that, I would actually report it. I would think so at this point, because this is not the first time he brought it up. Mm -hmm. So Manhaz's mom and grandmother had fallen asleep in the master bedroom while his father and sister were both at work. And around 3 p.m. that day, Manhaz went to his mother's bedroom and attacked her with a crowbar before leaving her for dead and then returning to his video gaming. Oh, brutal. Yeah. And he then proceeded to post a picture online saying, this is my mom. He took a picture of her and posted it online. There's just no words. Nope. An hour later, Beth, an hour later, he took another break and attacked his grandmother with a crowbar and again went back to his video gaming. An hour later. Yep. At some point, Menhaz looked at the clock and told his gaming buddies what he had done, then said he was about to take a break for about five minutes because he was going to take his sister out and his father an hour later. He's telling his friends online, Beth, what he is about to do. Clearly he's sick. You know, it, it's going to change those lives forever. Yes. 
Yes, that would be very traumatic, I, I could imagine. So without going into full details, I'm, I'm not going to give you all that. He did follow through with his plan because his sister had arrived home five minutes later, like he had said, around 11 o'clock p.m. from work, and he attacked her with a crowbar. An hour later, around midnight, when his dad arrived home, he also attacked him with a crowbar. Just to be sure that he had finished the job, Minhaz had taken a knife to all four of his family members' throats just to make sure they were dead. That is just so horrid. It is. I think I do. I barely remember this case because I remember now that he took a knife to all his family members. I do not recall hearing, though, that it was a crowbar. Hmm. So you remember this is only five years ago. So, you, I mean, this would probably be a pretty big story at the time. It was. Which is such a shame. So I do want to kind of talk about the gamers' interactions at this point. Because once his mission was accomplished, Minhaz got back online and returned to his video gaming to tell his friends what he'd done. And of course, they didn't believe him and thought he was just trying to gain attention. But to prove to them what he had done, Beth, Minhaz posted pictures of the murder scene. And some of the interactions held between Minhaz and his other online gaming friends consisted of this dialogue. And I'm just going to say, open quote, I just slaughtered my entire family and will most likely spend the rest of my life in jail if I manage to survive. Mm. And one of the gamers asked him, what are you going to do? now? Minhaz's response was, I'm going to go see my girlfriend. Mm. I wanted them to die so they didn't suffer knowing how much of a pathetic subhuman I was. Well, that's an interesting take. I would have guessed that he was just angry with them all, but really he's embarrassed and down on himself. Yes, that is exactly right. He was feeling the pressure from being somebody that he knew he was not and it was time to pay the piper. Graduation was coming up. I know he was probably feeling, like he said, subhuman to what his parents' expectations were. What I don't get is that he had plotted this for three years. Mm -hmm. I mean, go get a job or fess up. It's not going to be, I mean, I can understand parents might be upset for the time being, but this too shall pass. Don't sit there and plot for three years what you're going to do. No, you'd think in those three years he would seek help for his thoughts. I'm not sure that he really had escalating thoughts. I think that he was just trying to figure a way out to get past his expectations with his culture. Because to me, I don't know if the video gaming itself could have contributed to his thought processes. I mean, that's a real thing because at some point in time, some people can't differentiate between reality and fantasy, eh? Right. Yeah. He had mentioned to his gaming group that he might move the bodies to different areas of the house so that they would photograph better. Oh. Then he mentioned that he might just take one last group picture. So clearly he's disconnected at this point. Mm -hmm. What would you do in this situation if you were online with your Zooming friends and they said any of this to you, what would you do? I'd call authorities. Yeah, that is exactly the direction that the gamer's action plan went because once he started talking about it, it didn't seem like he was stopping. And remember that he was interacting with people worldwide, Beth. Fearing that Minhaz would harm more people, these gamers who were interacting with him attempted at this point to keep him online and talking because they did not want him to go out and hurt other people. He had mentioned he was going to see his girlfriend. Would he do the same to her? Oh, I, I bet you he would. Mm -hmm. The gamers were interacting with him. They created a private chat to talk amongst themselves and attempted to track Minhaz's IP address. And for anybody who is not technically savvy, um, it doesn't matter what computer system you use. All computers, your cell phone, a laptop, a PC, they all have an address that can be tracked to you. Get out of here. Did you not know that? No. Yeah. What I don't understand is how does it do that? Because when you buy the thing, or maybe does that is that how when you buy it, it's attached to you then? Yeah. Do you know what the difference is between hardware and software? Yes. Yeah. So it's part of the hardware system. System. Okay. And at this point, 
all the gamers had to go on was the username Menhaz and Canada being his location. So if you're online, then those were the two identifiers that they could physically see on screen. They knew his screen name, they knew his location, but that's it. That's all they had to go on. Mm-hmm. One of the gamers, and we're going to call her Nicole, was a criminal justice student and let the group know that she felt that the pictures were very real and they had to take this situation seriously. Hmm. So one gamer from Texas attempted to contact police, but just like that Luca Magnata case, the police did not take him seriously. But another gamer living in Tunisia still believed that this was a hoax until he saw a selfie that Menhaz had posted with him holding a bloody knife. And this is when he called Crime Stoppers International. At least they're getting the ball rolling, right? Yes, exactly. All the gamers came together. They were all talking in their chat room, remember? Mm-hmm. So the pictures that Menhaz was posting online, they had opened other tabs and were trying to locate those pictures online. They were Googling. They were just surfing the net to see if any pictures would come up and they had no luck. One gamer boldly asked Menhaz for his address and he brushed him off. So he was like, yeah, no, dude, I'm not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you that. And then digging through chat records and looking at Menhaz's IP address, the gamers were able to distinguish at some point that he was in the Eastern time zone. Okay, so even in Canada, as here in America, you've got the Eastern time zone, Central time zone, Mountain and Pacific. Mm -hmm. They were at least able to identify that he was on the Eastern region of Canada at this time. They were also able to contact a perfect world administrator I'll call him Austin. Austin began monitoring this IP address, which was somewhat difficult to do because if Menhaz was offline, he was not able to track him. However, because of his tendencies, and you know Menhaz got off the computer and got back on, he'd log off, log on, log off, log back in. Well, Austin was able to locate a New Brunswick address based on the IP address. And I will say that that was not accurate, but they were getting closer. And the chat group knew him not as a resident of that province, so they just kept going. They said, no, he's not a New Brunswick. That's not correct. So they all stalled Menhaz for a certain period of time and, and basically came right out and said, why'd you do it? Why didn't you confide in anybody? And why do you think murder was your only way out? Obviously, this worked because Menhaz's response was, I spent three years planning this and I couldn't delay it any longer. I did this because I didn't want my parents to be ashamed to have a son like me. I'm a pathetic coward. And since I'm an atheist, I don't believe in the afterlife. So I was afraid to die. It's all very selfish, really. Okay, so he's somewhat owning up to what he had done. But I still don't think that there's a connection, Beth. Does he even realize what he did? Or is it fantasy because he's been gaming in this perfect world platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that. So as the group continued to try to locate Menhaz, they did contact the administrators from Discord, which was that chat room I had mentioned. It's on a different server because they're two different companies. So they were able to contact an administrator from Discord. And as they continued to dig, the group was able to identify a Skype account from the Greater Toronto area. Bingo! Bingo! He lived in Greater Toronto area. And we've talked a lot about the Greater Toronto area in several of our podcasts. We have. The gamers were told to contact the Toronto police, who were then able to file an emergency request with Discord to find out Menhaz's identity. So basically, it's like getting a a search warrant. Right. And while this was going on behind the scenes, Menhaz proceeded to offer compensation to his gaming friends just for listening and said he would send them money through his PayPal account. That's very crazy. It is. He thought at this point, Beth, that he no longer needed money where he was about to go. True. Now, one of these gamers was a little slick. We're going to call her Bianca. She accepted Menhaz's offer for cash and allowed him to send money through PayPal. Why? Because she was able to connect Menhaz's home address through the PayPal 
PayPal account. Apparently, there's some way when you are gaming and you're sending money through PayPal, there is a way that you can connect home addresses. It happened to be 12 kilometers or 18 miles away from Bianca in Markham, Ontario. Have you heard of Markham? I don't think I've heard of that town. Oh, yes. It probably wasn't around. It it was just, it's now part of Toronto area, like the greater Yeah, the metro area. Yes. So she was able to locate him and then she was able to contact the police with that physical address. Without Minha's PayPaling Bianca, it would have been virtually impossible to track an exact location from that IP address. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. So thank God for technology. Oh, for sure. Now, Bianca looked up previous payments. This is how she found out, Beth, because of previous payments. Mm -hmm. She was able to find that home address. And 12 hours later, police came to Menhaz's door for a wellness check, obviously. Menhaz was still gaming when they came to the door. This was 12 hours later. Mm. As the police knocked on the door, he wrote in the chat room, quote, the police are here. Goodbye, end quote, and logged off. That's crazy again. Yeah, he just sat there and waited for them. Probably a a relief to him, too. I think so, too. I mean, you have to. It was just a, a burden on him to live up to his parents' expectations. In no way, shape, or form is it acceptable what he did. But I'm sure, like you said, he definitely had some sense of relief. So all of these events took place within the span of 18 hours from the time that he told his gaming friends what he had done until the police showed up at his door. Bravo to his gaming buddies on this platform who were able to track down a killer in 18 hours or less. Fantastic. These are wonder stories that people can be so savvy to do that. I think I would, you know, attempt to do the same thing if I were put in that situation. Hopefully I will never, ever be in that situation. But I'm so glad that people come together when they have to. Yes. So I'm going to talk about the charges very briefly. Minhaz was charged with four counts of first degree murder. And in September of 2020, he pled guilty to three of these charges. The fourth guilty plea was to second degree murder of his mother. Had he gone to court and said he was not guilty, Minhaz would have had that charge up to first degree murder, but he took a deal. He did apologize to the court for his actions. But honestly, Beth, the judge wasn't taking any of that. He went off on Minhaz pretty hard and really reprimanded him, saying in open court that he deserved severe punishment due to the violence that took place and the betrayal of trust that had occurred. The judge was especially appalled with the fact that Minhaz continued playing video games in between each action of murder that he had committed. Yeah, that bothered me too. Well, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that because it's quite disturbing. And Minhaz was automatically sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for a combined 40 years. So he will be 64 years old before he has the opportunity to be released. And that's older than his dad, Beth, which is still pretty young in this day and age in the whole scheme of things. 59-year-old dad. Yes. He's going to be older than his own dad. I hope he never gets out. I hope not too. Well, if you're interested, there is a documentary and it's on Peacock TV. I don't know if you have that where you're at, Beth. It's relatively new. No, I don't personally. Okay, so it's just another one of those apps that's pretty new and it looks like it's from NBC. I have not watched this documentary, but this is where I got the idea of the storyline. So, I mean, all of my information came from online resources, which I will put in the show notes. And kudos to the gamers who took them down relatively quickly. My heart goes out to the family because nothing like this should ever happen. No. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. This case was quite a tough one. It was very hard to listen to because I can't imagine your own son coming towards you and killing you and then going back to the game and then killing again. He really had mental health issues and clearly needed help. 
years before, never sought help, but on the other hand, he seemed to know he was doing wrong. Yeah, but he was so emotionless about it too. I mean, he literally told people what he had done, but he didn't have any remorse because he went back and did it again. True. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. It was, I mean, as I was digging into this, Beth, I I couldn't believe what I was reading too. I, I mean, you'll see in the resources. I always try to find the most reputable resources that I can find. And had I watched the documentary on Peacock, I might have taken a different spin on this, but the outcome was not what I expected either. No. I just can't believe that somebody could go on for three years and not actively do something to change their path. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So at this moment, do you have a teachable moment? Sure. So let's talk about the gamers who interacted with Minhaz. First off, Beth, bravo to you for everything that you did to work together to get this guy off the streets. But, you know, we talked several times throughout this entire podcast that mental health is real and it's not getting any better from this day and age and everything that people are experiencing with COVID and things like physical trauma or we don't see the trauma that people are experiencing but it doesn't mean that people do not experience mental health trauma it happens all the time and in the case of the gamers they had to have been experiencing a traumatic event as well and Beth I think you mentioned that earlier in this podcast what they had to have gone through right they didn't see this coming but they saw pictures they talked to this guy then the situation became very real that when they moved in to catch this killer they also had to have experienced trauma throughout the whole process so my suggestion is that if you are a witness to something that personally impacts you through your own experiences or other people's actions please I implore you to reach out to healthcare professionals and at least talk to someone about how things may affect you a lot of people sweep this under the rug Beth but that is not always the best approach. Some people can handle things better than others, but at some point, you know things will come to the surface. You might find that you're stronger than you think, or you might find that you really could use some help to get through it. So that's my teachable moment. If you experience something that you have a hard time dealing with, go talk to someone. Yes, there's a lot of people they can talk to. They can go to friends. They can go to their doctor. There's crisis lines. There's a lot of help out there now. And people are starting to learn a little bit more about mental health. So please do your part for yourself. Absolutely. That was very well said. Well, that's the case of Minhaz Zam. I really I didn't look up to see where he's at today, but I'm pretty sure we all know where he is. And that's a wrap. That is a wrap. And thanks for listening. Before we go, we would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform that really helps us in our rankings. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dying the Number Two, the letter B found. And if you like our episodes, please rate, share, and consider buying us a coffee. Be sure to leave a comment at buymeacoffee.com slash dying to be found, spelled just like you see it on our logo. And to learn more about our podcast or your hosts, you can visit us at dyingtobefound.com. Again, spelled just like you see it on our logo. And thanks, everybody. We will talk to you next Thursday. Bye. Okay, bye.